Well, good morning once again. It is so good to see you. Good morning, Nick. All right. Um, you know, right now, uh, some of you have already heard, um, and I shared this earlier uh, last month, um, that uh, we are having uh, another child next uh, May. Uh, no, no, oh, thank you, thank you. Um, and uh, we are in search of uh, a name right now. Uh, you know, we're looking about, we're thinking about it, we're, you know, looking at different options, and we did found out that it is going to be a boy. I was hoping for a girl. So um, I had a lot of girl name ideas. So now I have to make that shift and think about boy's name. And, uh, you know, our daughter, her name is Melia. It really doesn't have a meaning, but her middle name, uh, Coco, uh, with the C-O-C-O-A, has a meaning. And Coco, in Japanese, it, it's a, we use the character of heart. And Ah is the, heart, uh, the, lang- uh, the character of love. So I want, we named her Coco because we wanted her to love the Lord with all her heart, love the people with all her heart. That was our desire in her name. And then uh, our son, Zio, uh, his Japanese character in G is uh, benevolence of God or, or grace of God. And the O is to live. So we named him that because he, I wanted, we wanted, my wife and I wanted to him to live with the love and the benevolence and the grace and the almighty God in his life. And those are the meaning behind those names. And now, you know, we want to have a name that represents our desire for our newest child, which is coming end of May, uh, perhaps early uh, June. Um, And every name have a meaning. You know, every parent or, or name giver of a child has some hope, some desire in that name. And there's, there's no name that just out there by, you know, just random choice. Well, maybe, but, you know, we usually put a be- meaning behind that. And we're going to talk a lot about people's name today. What's in your name? Why did your parent or uh, your godfather or godparent name you that name uh, because there's something about that. There's a meaning. There's a hope behind that name. And today's Bible passage that we're going to read, we find a story about this couple where the angel came to them and said, you're going to name him John. I mean, how cool is that? An angel coming down and giving you a name. You don't have to think about it anymore. You know, it's just, okay, fine, angel. Sure, sure, sure. Why not? You know, but we're going to talk a lot about that name. And this came, the angel came to this couple. Their name was Zechariah and Elizabeth. And what is behind their name? Zechariah, it means God or Lord has remembered. That is the name behind Zechariah. And Elizabeth is, God is my oath, or God has satisfied me. That was the name behind those. It's a beautiful name, isn't it? However, they weren't feeling it. They were not feeling that name. They were in a time where their actual life was very opposite of their names. Because they were feeling like, has God forgotten about me? I mean, God, will God ever satisfy me? That was exactly what this couple was going through. Anybody in that season right now? Anybody feeling like Elizabeth or John? I'm sorry, Elizabeth or Zechariah? Feeling like what happened to the promise, God? Maybe some of you are feeling that way this morning, sitting in this room, feeling like, yes, the, the, there's this hope theme of that church. There's this joy theme around the shopping center. But I, I'm not feeling any of that. Right now, I'm feeling actually the opposite. Well, let me just say, through their child, John, 
which means God has been gracious. God has shown favor. God did exactly that to Elizabeth and Zechariah and restored their hope. And if you're feeling like Elizabeth or Zechariah this morning, I have a good news because there is hope. And your hope will also be restored through none other than Jesus Christ, who is our hope. And I'm not saying that. It's the word of God that is saying that you could keep your hope. Don't lose hope because we got Jesus. And this, what better season than right now of Advent to remember that this hope is alive in us. So let's discover how Zechariah and Elizabeth found their hope again and how that leads to Jesus. So this morning, and in fact, throughout the next few weeks, we're going to look at the first two chapters of Luke. So this morning, we're going to look at Luke one, chapter, chapter 1, verse 1 through 25. So if you have your Bibles, you could open that up to there. Uh, and then we're going to be covering that until the birth of Jesus. So it's going to be a wonderful, it's a classical Advent series. But we're looking at the Gospel of Luke. And before we start reading that, we're going to kind of give you, I'm going to give you just a quick background, a refresh of who Luke was or what kind of book this was or gospel. So Luke was, some of you already know this, he was a doctor. He's a physician. He was working a very, he has a studious mind. He was a very uh, uh, you know, systematic uh, thinking, and he was not a Jew, so he was a Gentile Christian, non-Jewish Christian that has discovered this, this, this Jesus in his life, and his life was changed, and he is writing this uh, gospel account, which is the story of Jesus, to his dear friend. His name is Theophilus. Now, Theophilus means loving the one, a man, or the one who loves God. So he's writing to this man, Theopolis, who was seeking God, who was seeking the truth. He was seeking, he heard about Jesus, and he, he was a probably a wealthy, a very prestigious man. And this Theophilus was trying to find out what this God or what this Jesus thing is all about. So to him, Luke is writing this. But imagine this. This is 2,000 years ago, when there is no church, there's not, I mean, the church was birthing, but it wasn't a much of a movement. But there are a lot of people who's curious about this man named Jesus who changed, apparently healed many people, who changed the lives of these disciples who used to be cowards. Now they're giving up their lives for the gospel. And their people were wondering, what is this buzz all about? So Luke decided to write to these people, to this, to this Theophilus, but also in a generation where many people were seeking the truth, seeking God. And because of that, we have this gospel of Luke in front of us. So if you love Luke, and I know some of you do, you could thank Theophilus, you know, during that day where they were seeking God. And he is writing Luke to, um, to these people, to Theophilus and others. He's writing this and did a thorough investigation. Luke was not there. He was not an eyewitness of Jesus. So he had to do a lot of research. So he's interviewing people who are eyewitnesses of Jesus. And he's like, how was that? What was his birth like? What was it all about? What did he say? What was his death like? What was the resurrection? And you encountering the resurrected Lord, what was that all about? So this the, uh, physician, Luke, is going around and talking to people, interviewing people, and he took this time and investigated done a lot of research and wrote this to Theophilus so that Theophilus could know that this is something that it is worthy of believing, worthy of trusting your life, worthy of giving up your life to follow 
So you see the heart behind Luke's writing. And this is touching all of us today because this is written out to all the Theophiluses out there, the one who is seeking God and trying to love more and more of him. So this is actually written out to all of us as well who are in quest of finding who God is and want to love God more. So I hope that is us. I hope so. All right, so we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, verse 5, and I'm going to read this to you, but it is also on the screen so you can follow along with me. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to a priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's command and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. So imagine Zechariah and Elizabeth. They're old people. But, you know, their life, they were priestly descents. You know, he was a, a great, 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 great granddaughter of Aaron. You know, it's amazing, right? Can you, who could say that? My, my ancestor was Aaron, the brother of Moses. I mean, that is in the priestly descent. And then here, Zechariah, who was a priest himself, and he was serving God. And just imagine, just, just think about what they're being told, what we are told about them. They lived righteously for God. Not many people in the Bible says they live righteously for God. These are people who live their life for God, for all their life. But they had one problem. They were childless. And having no child is tough in any culture, as you could imagine, or any generation. It wasn't like it's tough now, it is tough back then. It was always been tough. And especially at that time, in the Hebrew or this Jewish culture, barrenness or the, you know, without a child, it meant they were considered disgrace among the community. I mean, unfortunately, that was just the feeling that people had. They're disgrace. And then it was also this not having a child was considered it's a punishment for probably their sin. So there's a contradiction in who they were and what the community perceived them as. And maybe it had an effect on their lives. See, because ha- not having a child meant that their fate was not righteous. They're, they're not having a child because they've done something wrong. That was the people's perception, and that could have been perception that they had about themselves. So there was always this dryness in their life. No matter what they've done, all the good things that they're doing for God, there's always this cloud hanging over them, feeling like they're not good enough. And then there's always this feeling that, will I ever get there? Some of you, do you associate with them? Is, any, is there any Zechariah or Elizabeth out there this morning? Because I think there are all over this world. There's always, you're doing good work. You're doing something well, and you feel like you achieved something. But there's always this cloud hanging that I might be doing all this wrong. So there they were, feeling like, what happened to my name? What happened to God of my oath? And God will satisfy me. What happened to this, this name, Zechariah, who meant the Lord has remembered? Because they were not feeling it. They were feeling quite the opposite. And their hope was going out the window. And it was at these, those days, God made the move. God is actively in their lives now. 
See, God has been remaining silent for about 400 years. You know, back in the Old Testament time, there's the prophets where they received God's word and they were spreading to the God's people. But God's been unusually silent for about 400 years and now through his angel Gabriel, God speaks. Let's pick up on verse 8. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God and he was not chosen, I'm sorry, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So if you could take a look at the picture of this. This is the temple of Herod. So right here, as you can see, there's a temple court. And the worshipers, there are designated worshipers who were praying for this moment. So now, as a lot, so basically Zechariah was chosen to go inside of that, that tall building. He's in there, and inside there's an altar, and he's burning an incense, just like kind of what we did here, where they're burning incense. So that's what's happening. So was he chosen by luck? I mean, it, it is a lot, right? Of course not. This was God's divine intervention coming into his life. And there's this invitation into this holy place that God is inviting Zechariah. And it wasn't among all the people. It was this one-on-one encounter with him and the angel of God. And this is what happened. Let's read this together from Luke chapter 1, verse 11. Can we do that together right here? It says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Wow. I mean, I mean, th- this is after that. You know, John talks, Gabriel talks about John and what kind of life he's going to live. And, and, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be so wonderful. And we're going to talk about more about John in the next time where I'm, I'm here in a couple of weeks. But, but, you know, just this amazing revelation through Gabriel. And he said that he's going to be a joy for them. He's going to be preparing people to, for Jesus and, and, and turning people's heart back to God. And he's going to live this priestly, awesome life. I mean, what more can they want? Elizabeth and Zechariah, they're living this priestly livelihood, livelihood, and their son is now being promised by the angel of God that he's going to live this righteous life and then preparing people for the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus. I mean, you could, how more, how much better can this news become, right? So was, was Zechariah so excited? It's something that they had hoped for all this time, and it is happening in front of their eyes. So what did he do? Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man. My wife is well along the years. What happened? What happened? Isn't that what they, he always asked for? Why? Why, why is he all of a sudden being skeptical? Why all of a sudden be timid? Why all of a sudden be fearful? As we saw already, he said that he was startled and gripped with fear. Why, Zechariah? 
You know, that got Gabriel really, really going. He's like, hey, man, I'm Gabriel. I mean, angel says his name in front of you. You must be scared. I mean, he's upset. I mean, Gabriel's like, I came, I was sent by God to give you this news. And, and, and that's your reaction? What's up, Zechariah? I mean, I, mean I, I don't know if he said that. But, I mean, there's this tension going between an angel. And I would not want to be in that situation. But he came to share this good news. But this is the reaction of Zechariah. So Gabe's like, yo, I'm going to put you on mute. You're gonna, I'm going to zip your mouth. You ain't going to talk for a while until John is born. And then you can talk. I mean, I mean, I mean just, just like he's throwing it down. It's all because you didn't believe, Zechariah. Verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. Well, duh, I mean, he's encountering the angel, right? When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple. Yeah. For he kept making signs to them but remain unable to speak. So can you imagine that encounter with these people? I mean, all of a sudden, he's, he's zipped up. I mean, he can't talk. He's doing his hand signs. Well, church, this morning, is there an area in your life where you're giving up on hope? Beginning to feel skeptical? Perhaps some things are going the way you had hoped for. It's not exactly what you had imagined your life to be like. Perhaps you've lost a job, maybe got laid off. It is definitely not what you had imagined when you entered that place. Or you, you've lost a loved one that you wish that you had more time with. Maybe their work environment is extremely, extremely stressful. People that are just like not treating you well as a human being. I mean, or, or and it is definitely not what you had hoped for in the beginning when you got that job. Or maybe there's a family environment or relationship that you're just like, why is this happening? Why is this person responding to me in this way? Or, or perhaps not responding to you in a way that you had hoped for? Why? Why? And all these question marks in your life. Or maybe it's in ministry where you're being skeptical. You know, we got through this big transition in some of you, or maybe myself or the pastoral team, maybe feel at times sort of like, why is this happening like this? Where are the people that we thought we'll be with. Or in a personal ministry where you're ministering to someone and you want them to know about Jesus, but it's not working. They're not responding the way where you thought this person would. You're hoping for something better, something more magical, something more exciting, something more perfect. Or you fill in the blank, something more the bigger question that we have to tackle is why have you given up on hope? Zechariah said, I'm too old. My wife is too old. It's impossible to have a child. Look at us. And he's being cynical a little bit. I mean, we're too old. What is your reason? That your hope in God is fading, perhaps going out the window. 
Maybe it's the same with Zechariah. I'm too old. I'm too poor. The problem is, is too big. It's too complicated. It's too much. But those are all our reasons. Perhaps maybe our excuses. And it's probably not the reason why God hasn't not done it yet. I can almost guarantee it's not the same with God's reason why it is not happening. Because we know. Don't we know that God does not make mistakes? I mean, those are the songs that we sing. God, you're perfect in all your ways. Or God never fails his promise. God, you are always true to your promise. Those are the songs that we sing at churches. God is never late. We know that. We, we sing about that. And we know in our mind, in our brain, we've heard it before. And we also know this through our previous experience. We've experienced, if you're a Christian, you probably experienced the goodness of God. That's why you are a Christian. And you know this already. And you know the Bible and the stories of the Bible. There are these imperfect people. And God, was, it seems to them that their God is late. But God always showed up at the perfect. That We know this. And then Zechariah, Elizabeth, come on. Don't they know that? I mean, they remember, remember their family heritage? They're priestly people, right? I mean, their great, 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 great grandfather was Moses. I mean, I mean, I mean, Aaron. And they know about Moses. And of course, they know about Abraham and Sarah, which the exact same story. But for whatever reason, that didn't go through Zechariah's mind at that particular moment. But it happens in our waiting game when we are waiting for God. And when we are kind of tired of that waiting period, we begin to forget a lot of the goodness of God. And when the cloud of, of doubt piles up in our lives and it's hanging over wherever we go and we're feeling like we're not good enough, those are the times where we totally, totally dismiss and forget how good God ever was in our lives. And our desires beginning to ignore the perfect plan of God, it's what happens. It happened to the best of the best, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And it happens to us. And it is so easy for, to, for us to lose that hope and to, to lose sight of hope, even though God is in front of you trying to answer your request. God is beginning to move, and we be like Zechariah, startled and gripped with fear, even when God is trying to answer your prayer. Please do not lose hope in God. Let us hope again today. Revive that hope again today. Because look what happens in verse 23. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. In verse 25, the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Baby John was conceived. It means, remember, God has been gracious. God has shown favor. That's inside of Elizabeth now. Birthed by God in his spirit. God will answer 
your prayer. In fact, that answer may be inside of you already. So be ready. And stay ready. Knowing and trusting 100% faith that it will happen. Are you ready for God to answer? When God's going to show up, are you going to be startled and gripped with fear? Or are you going to say, this is the perfect time. I want to end with this clip from the movie Facing the Giants. And there's a conversation that I want us to be attentive to. So this is a conversation between Coach uh, and Mr. Bridges. Here we go. Mr. Bridges? Revelation chapter 3 says, We serve a God that opens doors that no one can shut, and he shuts doors that no one can open. He says, Behold, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know you have a little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Coach Taylor, the Lord is not through with you yet. You still have an open door here. And until the Lord moves you, you're to bloom right where you're planted. I just felt led to come and tell you that today. Mr. Bridges. You believe God told you to come tell me that? I do. I admit to you I have been struggling. But I've also been praying. I just don't see him at work here. Grant, I heard a story about two farmers who desperately needed rain. And both of them prayed for rain. But only one of them went out and prepared his fields to receive it. Which one do you think trusted God to send the rain? Or the one who prepared his fields for it? Which one are you? God will send the rain when he's ready. You need to prepare your field to receive it. So Coach Grant had a concern. He was struggling to trust in God. Pastor Bridges came and shared the story of these two farmers and asked, which one are you? Which one are you? Will you wait for God expectingly and be actively waiting for His answer in our lives? It's challenging in those times when we don't see God moving the way we want. But the ultimate question is, will you still trust in him? Knowing that God will send the rain, we must be ready and work our fields and be ready to receive it. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they did that. In fact, they kept plowing their fields in the days where they're like, I'm getting old, I'm getting old, but they're keep plowing. They did that all their lives. And when it was ready, God encountered them and John was conceived and was born. God answered their prayer. We and you, you and I may need to maybe wait a little longer. 
But we're going to keep living, keep living like Zechariah and Elizabeth, waiting. But we're still working our field, knowing that he is going to work. He is going to send the rain. So let us not lose hope. John was born, and he lived a life preparing people's heart for Jesus. And that is the name we put our hope in, Jesus. And you know what that means, right? God saves. He's the reason why we could hope again. This season of Advent, would you consider this? I want to invite you to know God more and more and know that he has not forgotten about you. Of course not. How could he? He cannot forget about you. Why would he send his very own son? And trust me, this is the word of God, that he is not delaying. In his perfect time, God will answer and our hope will be restored. And our hope is in the name of Jesus. Amen? You're the weak. Amen? Amen. Thank you. All right. Let us look at weekly challenge uh, right here. Let us read Luke 1, 1 through 25. Where do you resonate with Zechariah and Elizabeth? Grow. Is there any area where you are losing hope? You're being a skeptical. Well, why is it hard to have that hope? I think the why is important. Grow overflow, knowing that God is faithful. How will you be ready for his answer? In other words, how will you be working your field? In a moment, we're going to enter into a time of communion. And I hope we could set the lighting this way or perhaps even dim it even more, a little bit later. Because I want us to see the hope of Jesus will not fade away. Let's pray. God, we do thank you for this Sunday as we could gather, perhaps broken, perhaps skeptical, perhaps a little under the weather, a little less than perfect. But somehow we find this invitation that you still wrap us up with your love, your hope, reminding us that you are never late. You will never make this mistake, and you'll always be faithful. That is a promise we cling on to today. We will not let that go. So if there's anybody who is losing hope this morning, for whatever reason, may you give them, may you teach them your reason why it is not happening right now. And perhaps it is right there in them. Maybe it is conceived already. But just a little more waiting for that baby John to be born. The testimony that will overflow from us will be, just like John, the name says, God has been gracious. May that testimony of God's grace overflow from each one of us and from this church so that people who are in need of this fresh hope of Jesus, may they encounter it, whether it is through our lives or whether it is the life of this church. God, you will sustain us. You will continue to to breathe in us your fresh hope of new breath. So we want to feel it. We want to experience it. So today we're going to come into the time of communion. Would you revive that spirit? Would you revive that hope? Would you revive this life with you in us? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
So at this time, I want to invite you to communion. Today, we're going to make two lines and come forward. And we're going to have Pastor Carl and Pat stand on this side. Myself and Jenny will be on this side. You'll take it, and then you will go back to your seats. Wherever you want to take it, on the way back, you know, you want to step aside to take it, that's fine. Or you're going to be taking it individually today. And this is a time where, as Christians, it is a time where we are being reminded that our hope has not changed. It's always been there. And, you know, just like this light right here, maybe if you could dim this light real quick. You know, maybe with the, all the busyness, it, it might not stand out as much. Maybe with all the other things that we focus on, it might not stand as much. But we do know that it's here. It's right here. We could cover it. We could, we could ignore it. But it's there. The hope of Jesus will not escape you. So please be reminded, as we come forward to receive the elements, the body and the blood of Jesus, it is exactly a time where that hope could be renewed, restored, perhaps give you an encouragement to wait a little bit more. But God has not forgotten about you. So this communion is for Christians. If you have met your trust in Jesus, please come forward. If you still need time to think about it, maybe it's okay to stay where you are. It is not forced to do it. It is not you do it because your neighbor is going up there. It is something that you feel a personal invitation from Jesus Christ, and that's why we come up. So you make that decision. But if this is your first time receiving communion because you want to believe and put your whole trust in Jesus Christ, then you are welcomed. So you make that. May this be a time of prayer where you just collect your thought before Jesus as you come before. So let us pray in your own words. Let us spend time with him. And then just just talk to him. And just think about your readiness. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, you sent us in love, your only Son, Jesus Christ, to suffer and die on the cross for our redemption. And by this sacrifice offered once for all, paid the full and perfect price for our sins, the sins of humanity. And in Christ, we are made new. We could hope again. So with repentance, but also with this uncontainable rejoicing we enter into this time of holy communion in obedience to our lord jesus christ and reflect upon this deep love that we have you have given to each and every one of us in our family thank you for being the sacrifice that gave us perfect unity with our heavenly father god thank you god for your gift of your son which we have our hope. On the night of his betrayal, Jesus took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
In like manner, after the supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks to them, saying, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of this, all of you, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you and for many for the remissions of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Amen. So at this time, I would ask Pastor Carl and Pat to come forward, Pastor Jenny to come forward. And um, in a moment, I'll invite you to uh, make a line, two lines. So you would come towards the center, and then you would come up. So this side, obviously, you would take it from this side, um, and this side from us. Um, But as you come forward, as I mentioned, please be in mind that your hope has not faded. church, I invite you to come forward and receive the body and the blood of Jesus. Go ahead.